That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy. Like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Edit audio. So I'm sleeping on the floor. I'm on four blankets. And this was, this is before air mattresses were like a real thing. And my, my sister steps on me. Okay. Like right on that flabby part of my arm that hurts like a lot. And I saw the look in her eye and I knew I should not say a word because I have begged her to let me sleep on her floor, you know, as opposed to the living room floor where I was previously sleeping. I should backtrack a little bit. I had just graduated from college, a pretty great four-year private college. And all I'm thinking is like, how did I get here? I wanted to be an actor. I was going to move to LA. I was going to I was going to start my new life. I had a plan for myself. I mean, okay, in fairness, it was like sort of a plan. I had told everyone that I was going to win the MTV contest where they gave away Axel Rose's house, the Guns N' Roses dude. And truth be told, I'm not even sure that I sent in a postcard to enter for the contest, which yes, at that time you sent postcards in to enter. Flash forward, I did not win the contest. And now all of my friends, they have moved on to their first jobs. And it was the middle of a recession, which I didn't even know that it was a recession. I only knew that I could not get a job or I wasn't sure how to get a job. Like I had gone to this college, but I didn't know how to be a real person. So I moved into my mother and my sister's two-bedroom apartment, and I slept on my sister's floor. I worked at Lady Foot Locker, where the regional manager told me I'd be real pretty if I just wore more makeup. I felt hopeless. I was stuck. Hello, folks. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but, you know, not in an NPR way, more like a we're at the bar, we're having cocktails, and I am getting into your business sort of way. Oh, we love a cocktail. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Oh, yeah. Hi, that's me. Today we chat, well, quit smoking weed at your parents' house and make the move. Okay, folks, let's get to our interview. David, he graduated college in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, holy crap, how hard would that be? He was dealing with some OCD issues, some germophobia type issues, and he got stuck like we all get stuck in his parents' house. He wanted to leave. He wanted to pursue an acting career. But instead, he sort of like holed himself up in the house. He smoked a little pot, you know, maybe a lot. He was numbing his fears. And that led us to this very important question in this conversation about how do you move things forward when you're stuck? How do you trust that 
when you leap, when you jump off that cliff, a net is going to appear. And I have to be honest, I am dying to know the answer to that question. I mean, you actually should know the answer to that question. All right, settle down, producer Steph. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. I should know the answer to that question. I have this. I've got it. Trust me. Let's. We're going into the interview. Let's Go. do it. Let's do it. David, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Are you ready for me? Poke and prod away. Do what you have to do. <laughs> I do have to own up that I grew up with your mother. So she was like almost like a big sister to me. And so I have known your whole family forever. Your parents were like surrogate parents for me. They are part of the reason I turned out so good, your grandparents. And and I, I want to say me turning out good is really, we're not sure about that yet, but like, let's let's go with it for the premise. But they were just okay. solid influences in my life. And so last summer, your parents were like, we'll have a conversation with David. He's a little stuck. Can you tell us back like where you were last summer and what was going on for you and why your parents were like, Robin, get in there? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely was stuck. That's a good way of putting it. When COVID hit, I had just graduated. That was my last semester. And I didn't have a job and I was staying with my parents. And so this kind of like mental switch flipped on. I was like, okay, well, if I'm not working, if I'm not going out and doing anything and I'm staying with them and they're providing for me, then I have to make sure that they're okay. I don't want to get them sick. I don't want anything to happen. So I just kind of hunkered down. I didn't go out. I didn't do anything really. Like I followed the rules to a T, especially with mom's position being uh, the head of the county health department. She was like COVID police, your mom. <laughs> oh my God, was she? I didn't get to break away from any of that. And especially dad was not upset. He he felt for me in the sense of like, well, you're not pursuing your artistic endeavors. I was working on my music and everything, but he said, this isn't what you had been studying. This isn't what you wanted to do. And so they just wanted to kind of get that ball rolling. I wasn't picking up the hints that they were laying down for me at that time. <laughs> so like, what kind, what kind of hints are your parents laying down? Because you were like owned up to some stuff to me. You were like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably smoking a little bit too much. It's probably a little comfortable for me. So like, how are your parents hinting to you it might be time to get the hell out of their house? They never would come out and say it. They're too nice. They're too upstate New York. Right, exactly, exactly. So it'd be like, okay, well, if you stay in here, I want this, this, and this done in the house. I want the lawn mowed. I want the garbage taken out. I want vacuumed. I want everything made up nice and proper. And there were certain things like, I mean, you know, our family is so big yeah. that there's always something going on like our cousins would invite me over to a fire or something i'd be like eh, i'm not gonna go out i'm not gonna do that were you nervous about covid or what was happening for you about not wanting to be with people because i know that sometimes like for me if i get more insular it's hard for me to break out of it and be with people it was just the covid i don't want to get covid i don't want to put myself in a position to get covid i don't want to risk it you know i had too much time on my hands without having a job so I'd be mm -hmm. sitting around and be like, okay, now it's, I have to monitor my symptoms for the next 10 days. And that's always on the forefront. And I knew that if I go do this, I don't want to have to sit around and have that hamster wheel turning in my brain. In Binghamton, there was a theater and my mom was saying, well, they're doing these auditions. You should go do something, at least audition, at least take a look at it, like go out and now that things are opening up, go do something with it. See what's going on. Any Anytime something came up, they wanted to push me to go out and do it. And I was giving them a lot of resistance. Are you coming up with excuses? Like, how are you fending off? I always call it like throwing lawn chairs. 
when someone wants you to do something that you're not ready to do, like I, I find that people tend to be like, well, I can't because, you know, I've got some pain in my lower back. But as soon as I'm through that, I'm definitely going to do the thing you're suggesting. So like, are you throwing lawn chairs or are you aware of what you're not doing? Oh, I, I would just say, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> you're just like, no, I just don't want just to. not doing it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And that was nice because I never had that before. I, I always was very like, I would spin a yarn and figure out just how to get out of anything and, and make it up on the fly. But now I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to do it if I don't want to do that. And that was nice. But then it was also like, okay, well, why not? And then we got uh, talking about that. And thank God that my dad was finally like, okay, well, do you want to talk to somebody then? Yeah. So I started going to therapy and that was like, whoo, I needed that. That was great. What did you walk in saying? Like, I need help with... I need help with... I have OCD and germophobia. So I need help with getting over, especially with this COVID, I need help with dipping my toes back into the real world, as it were. Mm. And I actually got hooked up with a substance abuse counselor. Um, So we started on that for a while, and we started cutting that piece away. She helped me with that, and it was nice to realize that, oh, this isn't a substance abuse issue. Not that I haven't had my struggles with that, but when we got to more of the core of it. She's like, yeah, this is, you might want to talk to somebody else who has studied more on this topic. As in like OCD and germophobia. Yeah. So you have like a perfect storm of your ending school. A pandemic is causing you to feel unsafe in terms of like germophobia. And then that's kicking in your OCD and you're trying to start your life. All these things are happening at one time. Yeah. Do you feel like that's what was going on for you? 100%. Did talking to someone help you? Like, where are you at? Yeah. It helped me in the way that, because I was just living with my parents. I mean, social media was great in the sense of I could talk to people. But at the end of the day, I was spending all my time with my parents. (laughs) There were certain things I didn't want to talk to them about. So to have someone that I could talk to openly took such a weight off of my shoulders and I I would do this thing where I'd go on about something and be like I, I know I'm crazy and my therapist would always say we don't we don't say that here that you're not crazy it it started to make sense like oh I'm not crazy and I was working through this and I sobered up that was like step number one I stopped drinking I stopped smoking and that believe it or not wouldn't you know it that was so <laughs> beneficial to my mental health go like, figure I know it's crazy and the only negative, I don't even think it was negative, that just what I realized from that was, oh, this isn't, this isn't the cure-all. This isn't the fix-everything solution. There's more to it than just this issue I'm mm-hmm. facing. Mm-hmm. But that was great, and we were making progress. One of the things she said is, when I'm out and about walking around town, I would always cross the street if someone was on one side of the street. So she'd be like, maybe try to stay on that side of the street and just walk by somebody, just to start mm-hmm. with. And stuff like that to kind of get a little exposure therapy and and work through it. But definitely to have someone to just let off all of this. Because no offense to my parents. I love them. I'm so grateful they let me stay there. But I can't really complain to them about these little things that might get on my nerves because I'm eating your food and living in yeah. your house. And yeah. yeah, you know. As a parent, I can agree with you. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I feel like the whole world probably could use therapy from from covid you know like we're all we're trapped inside and there's like a low-grade depression going on and i think sometimes it's Mm. like if i look at like what you're going through and then you're maybe doing some self-medicating 
which who wasn't? I was having cocktails, you know, I'd be like, oh, is it five o'clock yet? You know, sure. and just running out to the bar. I'm like, just for something to do that was different from working out of my bedroom. Like we're all in this really funky space. But I think sometimes you got to clear those things away to even see what's going on. Yeah. And as you started to clear away, what did you what did you get to? I got to this sense of assuredness in myself. I kind of fell into, oh, this is what I think. I wasn't hiding from my feelings. So spending more time with them and identifying them and saying like, oh, I feel tightness in my chest. Why mm. is that? Oh, it's anxiety. Is it anxiety or am I angry? If I'm angry, what am I angry at? Then things kind of started turning into a blessing of all of this extra time I had at home, I was using to benefit myself. I got back into doing all of my acting warm-ups every single day. I blocked out the time to do it in the morning and in the afternoon. And to check in with myself and mm -hmm. understand myself, once I got an inch, I wanted to take a mile in that respect. So it took off and I... Even now, I haven't stopped with that. So I've, I've been running with it since it started working, which has been awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I'll forget like, oh, meditation, that's a tool. Why have I stopped doing that? You know, and it's like sometimes it's just you just forget. In your family was the idea of like going to therapy or jumping. It sounds like they were very supportive of you. Did you have that model to emulate or were you on your own? Well, we owe a lot to Joel. Joel's my twin brother. We're fraternal twins. We were 11. He got diagnosed with diabetes. Mm -hmm. And that kind of started our opening up and discussion with Joel. Um, he's also on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. He had a, a psychiatrist. Uh, and he was also more open with mom and dad when we were kids. We're like, hey, I need help. I need to talk to somebody. So from a young age, and to see how well it worked with Joel, our whole family was like, okay, yeah, this is... This works. Let's give it a shot. And my dad uh, was talking to someone. And through my dad's counselor, I got hooked up with my counselor. So our family within the past decade has been more open to receiving help. That's amazing. Because imagine if you didn't have that groundwork. I know. Like you might have been just stuck and everybody being like, get a fucking job. You know, like just yeah, yeah. get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Like, we did our work. We gave you the college education. Now you got to go. It's your turn. Like, and I think sometimes people need, they need help. Absolutely. Even a little help. And that was one of the things I also realized. I'm so fortunate to have this situation and to be able to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I better do the work if I, if I can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Because it's a lot of people can't pay for it. Or mm -hmm. like, it, I think it's daunting. I remember... When I was looking for a therapist, like maybe the very first time, I was like, how do you even find the person that you want to connect with? Like, how do you even go about that? And then hmm. let's say you go to a person, you don't like them. How do you break up with them? Like, those are all really complicated questions. I mean, I think things like BetterHelp, like uh, internet therapy, you know, web-based solutions have really made it a lot easier because you could sort of like stealthily break up with someone you know, just be like, I don't like this person. Right. Click. You know, that's made it easier than it used to be. You used right. to have to go in and have that really hard discussion like, it's not you, it's me. But I think you know that. We just want different things. Honestly, you bug me. It's, it's that. <laughs> yeah, right. And again, I got lucky too of like my therapist, like we got on thick as thieves. Like it was a great match too. Yeah. And I do think you know, like you know when you connect with someone, or at least I don't know, like I feel like I know I know when I'm getting in my own way or I know if it's the person. But that's a really big question is to figure out like, 
do you like this person? Do you feel like safe with them? Safe enough that you can work through the stuff you don't want to share with another person. Mm -hmm. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So just to switch gears a little bit, I didn't know that you had left the house. I thought you might still be in that space, but you have since taken a really big leap of faith and started working towards your career. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. My dad's brother said, come work for us in Maine. I went up there. I was helping uh, unload souvenirs off the back of a truck. That sounds really fun. It was it was such a great time, Robin, in in the back of a warehouse that had no heat in Maine in the winter. It was so much fun. It keeps you humble right there. That keep you humble. For sure. I was just saving my money and I was up there and I was with my aunt and my uncle and my cousin. He's 14, so that helped me out a lot too of just let me offer you a hand, kid, cuz your parents are helping me out. Let me be here for you and it reminded me of being that age. Mm. And when I was his age of like, oh, I know what I want to do. I know what I'm going to do when I'm in my 20s. And then to be in my 20s and say, I'm not doing what I want to do. So our contract expired. They said, you know, from the new year till March, they needed my help. And after that, I can still work for them. But I'd either need to live there or go back home. And I said, I'm not going to do either of those things. I don't see why I shouldn't go to California finally. And so I did. I went home for a week. I Got my hugs and kisses in, and we went out uh, to Indiana for my birthday, and I spent it with Joel, and then mom and dad drove back, and I kept heading west. And and so this is a big leap, and I'm so amazed by the fact that you went from being so insular, like you were going to cross the street because there's another human being, <laughs> and now you feel safe enough to be like, sure, I'm going to L.A. without a job. I'm going to try to be an actor. And I'm going to just, I'm doing this. And I got a little bit of main money yeah. from taking crap off the back of a truck. So like, how did you get there? I think for the first time in my life, not for the first time, but in the longest time I can remember, I couldn't find a reason not to do this uh. or a good enough reason to convince me not to do it. You know, like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And these things happen, but I'm tired of living my life that way. I think I was also just fed up of like, I got a little taste of being out of the house, making some money, that regular life stuff. I was like, I can't go backwards. I can only go mm. forwards. Part of me, too, had a suspicion that if I move back home, then all of my p- 
patterns are going to creep in little by little. So while I have this feeling and this opportunity, just take it and run. And, you know, that expression of leap and the net will appear. I was like, yeah, let me just do it. Let me put that to the test. Everything you just said is amazing. And I agree. I agree with you, especially about leaping and the net will appear. But like, I wonder a little bit, too, if you did just enough work. I I hate the word fixed because I feel like we're never fixed. I feel like we can Mm. fix ourselves enough to find the next thing. Like I often say that I really struggled with intimacy and I feel like I fixed myself enough so that my wife, Mary, could show up. And then I was a hot mess, you know, (laughs) poor Mary, (laughs) as we like to say in my household. Even my kids are like, leave mommy alone. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm a person too. But my point is like, I I feel like I fixed myself enough so that I could step into that new space. And that's what it sounds like to me. Like you fixed yourself enough and then you got out of the situation. Those are two things that I think are really important. Like if you keep staying where you are, nothing new can happen. Like you got to do something like you, you always have to take one step forward. And it's like, it sounds like your main trip and talking to someone, those two things, you fix yourself enough so that you could step into your next thing. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a work in progress, mm-hmm. you know, as we all are, but in, in driving out, Boy, I did not take into consideration the drive out here, how much alone time you have. Yeah. But it was beautiful in the sense of like not giving that voice any any credence in the back of my head of like, well, this, you you're know, gonna, you're going to fail. David. You're going to fail. Exactly. What are you doing? Yeah. Who the fuck do you yeah. think you and, are? Like that voice. Yeah, 100%. And it was nice to just finally be like, I don't have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I'm out here doing my thing and... So it was kind of like rebelling against myself in a way and seeing that it was working and I was making progress and going forward. Um, But don't get me wrong. Once I got out here, some of those anxieties have creeped back in. I I think a lot of it too was like, oh my God, to be unified with everybody after the pandemic of like, well, I don't have a job. A lot of people don't have a job. I'm not certain about the future. So many people are uncertain about the future. Like now is as good a time as any to try something totally new. A lot of people are doing that right now. Yeah. And there's almost no failure right now. There's a huge safety net in that there's a lot of jobs. I mean, or at least that's what everyone keeps telling me. I'm not actually looking for jobs, thankfully. Hmm. But everyone keeps saying there's lots of jobs. And and also, I think we're all trying new crap right now. So it really is a great time to to jump. Amen to that. So how did it go when you got there? Uh, when I got to California, when I crossed the state line, I stepped out of my car and... I, I wrote down in my journal, like, when I got in, how I was feeling, and I I cried because I, I got there. I got to California. And then I still had to keep going to get to Los Angeles, but I took a moment. was like, okay, I'm here. Let's do it. And it was one of those, like, I'm not in Kansas anymore feelings. <laughs> so once I got into Hollywood, it was like the traffic just jammed up. And I kid you not, the first thing someone said to me when I got here I parked my car and there's this guy coming out of this restaurant and he said, oh, you're from New York? I said, yeah. He said, you drove out here? I said, yeah, I drove all the way across the country. And he said, okay, well, you're going to be driving back pretty soon. You're not going to make it out here, kid. (gasps) So wait, someone said that to you when you just arrived? Yeah, that was like the first interaction I had with somebody here. Did you you say, why would you say that to me, man? All I said was, okay, (laughs) all right. (laughs) And he's like, well, you're from New York and like, there's a lot more opportunity out there. And if you couldn't make it there, how do you think you're going to make it here? And I was just like, all right, man. Well, that's very bold of you to assume these things about me. But thank you. Thank you. 
he's like, yeah, you'll see in three months. You'll say that guy was right. And I said, okay, man, thanks. And I've been here for three months now. So, I mean, that's nice at least. But I wasn't mad. I wasn't hurt because it was just one of those perfect things of like, of course, this is the first thing that happens to me when I get here. It was. It's like your negative voice was coming at you to test to see where you're at. Yeah. And I told my mom when I got upstairs and I called her and she was like, oh, my God, are you okay? That's terrible. I can't believe someone said that to you. And I was like, no, it's good because I it just rolled right off my shoulders. Like, because I was looking at this complete stranger and I was just like, my man, if you only knew what I went through to get here right now, like, that's nothing. That's no big deal. But you know what's so frigging wonderful about what you just said I wish you could see me right now. My arms over my head. I'm like, I like, I feel like a proud mother, even though I didn't birth you. <laughs> but like, I, what's so incredible is that like, that could have really taken you out. Like you could have been like, you're right. Who mm. the hell do I think I am? That's a person who's rooting for someone's failure. And I, I, I find sometimes mm. like, if you've ever been a person who's had a weight problem, there are many people in your life as you lose weight who actively don't want you to lose weight. Like they, they're like trying to hand mm. you ice cream because they want you to stay down in, in the misery that they're in. And that's what that guy sounds mm. like to me. But like, I'm so proud of you that you were just like, I'm not having that. Like, I think that's incredible. Oh, thank you very much. And I even to go a step further was like, I felt bad for the guy because it's just like, whatever happened to you to make you feel this way about me, I'm sorry. I didn't say that to him, but that's what I felt. And that's how I justify it. Like something happened to this guy. That sucks that it happened to him, but it doesn't have to get me down either. I feel like you're a better person than I am. I would have been like, that fucking guy. <laughs> like, I would still be like mumbling about that guy. Where is he? Let me find him. Let me tell him how good I'm doing out here. Every success I have, I'd be like, wonder what that guy thinks right now. I just booked a job. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look at me. I'm, I'm eating Taco Bell, but I'm not ordering <laughs> off the dollar menu because I did good at my tips today. So <laughs> that's amazing. So you landed a job and I want to hear where you are now, are any of those old things, habits or lawn chairs coming up and getting in the way of you pursuing your work now, your artistic work? So I gave myself two weeks. I think it was 15 days that it actually took. Um, So I was on track with, you know, what I had laid out for myself. But I was looking around. I was just applying, applying, applying. I can't even tell you how many applications. And it didn't matter to what. I was applying to things I wanted to be a part of, but also anything that would take me. And I've been rocking and rolling as a server, making decent money. I can walk to work. It's beautiful. And I got this apartment lined up. So now it's like, now that I have those things, how do I pursue my artistic endeavors? And that's a great question because I don't really know how to just yet. It seems like once you recognized you were in a hole, like if we're taking it back to the beginning part of your story, like once you got help, you realized, okay, one, I got to clear some stuff out. Like, I got to clear things out of the way to, to, to get moving. Then you knew, well, like, I need some money. And then you recognize, like, I've got to be a fighter. Do you find any of those old school things in your, like, stuck days of shutting down? Do you find yourself being like, oh, I'll get to that later? Mm. Yes and no. I think some of the stuff of I'll get to that later, like, I have to go to the bank today. I've been putting it off for forever. Uh huh. Not for any COVID reasons or anything. I just, you know, nobody wants to go to the bank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the other stuff though, especially like being a server, I handle money. I handle discarded plates, and I'll touch someone else's hand quite often. And like a year ago, that would send me into 
a lather, like nobody's business. So now it's it doesn't get to me. I am cognizant that like I do I do wash my hands quite a bit. These things creep in, like I hear every cough. You know, I stay away from someone if it looks like or sounds like they're sick. Um, someone tested positive for COVID at work a couple weeks ago. And it was just one of those like, okay, I can't do anything about it. Mm. Whereas even six months ago, I would have been like in tears just having this anxiety over it. Yeah. Uh, so that's been good. I'm still sober. I haven't had the itch to do any of that. Um, and I, I, I guess some of it now too is I had a game plan because we all know you need money. We all know you need a job. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, now I don't know what it is I need. I know I have to get that in place, but the map, the roadmap isn't as clear right now. Sure. You know? Well, and anytime you do something new, that's going to happen. I feel like there's going to be moments where it's really clear, like these are my next five steps. And then there's going to be moments where you're going to be like, I have no fucking idea what I should do. But I always find that like just talking to someone, and that's why I think it's like a mirror of what you did before. Like you were talking to a professional because those were, you know like OCD, germophobia, like COVID, depression, those are all really, like, you're not coming to me for that, and you shouldn't, but you go to a professional <laughs> for that. But now it's on a smaller scale of like, well, how do I move my career forward? But you know people who, I don't know if you ever go to a 12-step program, they'll tell you, like, find the people in the room who have what you want, and then talk to them, mm. and then start stepping forward. Yeah. One of the cool things about where I work is, like, the other day I was talking to this guy, and he's like, oh, what do you do, man? And he's like, oh, I'm in the entertainment industry. And I said, oh, oh, cool. Uh, what's your Instagram? I'll follow you. And I get back home. He wrote it down for me, and I take my thing out of my pocket, and I look at it. I look him up. He's like, oh, this guy's got, you know, a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. Oh, jeez. And there's, like, this new kind of landscape. Like, oh, he's just Joe Schmo to me at the restaurant. But yeah. I'm in this environment now where it's like, yeah, there's people making it happen all around here. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that I'll be able to find someone who has what I want and, and talk to them about that. Well, and you just got to start doing. I wonder if you can offer some advice on this as well, because people ask me all the time, like, oh, so you're an aspiring actor. And I've taken to answering, no, I'm an actor. And just to have that kind of manifestation mm -hmm. of like, Whatever that path happens to be, it doesn't necessarily need to be like, you get here, you do something, you book a picture, and it goes like that of like, kind of being out here like, oh no, you can write your own story a little yeah. bit. Or there is opportunity to, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe not necessarily take that traditional mindset of what the road to success is. I mean, I feel like in the entertainment industry and in life, too there's never been a better time like you can take your phone and like content is back in in the hands of the creators but it's also true with like if you even took it to therapy like i can now do better help online i can i mean you would think that better help was paying me but they are not better help get in touch but like i was gonna say call me better sponsored help. no uh, but you know but the <laughs> but the thing is is like there's never been a better time like you, you can put everything in your hands you just have to say this is the first step i want to take you know, it's like you have a phone, you could create a podcast on this phone, you could create a movie on this phone, you could get therapy on this phone, you could call a friend for help, you could get on a, I don't know, I'm going to keep going. Someone stop me, Steph, stop me. But like there's, you could do anything you want to if you just take one or two steps forward. I mean, that's, that's always the space that I'm in. And like, there's times when I'll, you know, where I'm like, oh man, do I have to do this by myself again? 
I was going to say, I think it's interesting because I've had this feeling, especially with art, where you're like, okay, well, I want to be like the most successful and this is what it looks like. But then you stop yourself from actually making any progress towards that because the Mm -hmm. things in between aren't the ideal of success that you have in your mind for the end of your life. But it's like, realistically, like Robin, if you were only doing, you know, big budget movies, like you would have never gotten all of the accomplishments you've had in the the interim. Do do I have accomplishment stuff? And for people who don't know, Steph is our Gelman. She's an executive producer, amazing lady, and she jumps in to tell me when I'm being an idiot. I'm like, unmute yourself, Steph. Tell me I'm an idiot. I did just unmute myself because you asked me to, for the record. <laughs> but I mean, so David, first of all, I also want to say I love how you almost talk like a like a nineteen forties actor in the in the talkies. You like call it the pictures. Oh my god. It's the best. I can't wait to see what content you're making. <laughs> People at work all the time are like, oh, you're an actor, right? It's like, yeah, how did you know? And they're like, well, you sound like you're studying for some role in the 50s or something. It's like, oh, my God, no, that's just how you're I talk. You're like, no, it's I'm like... just from upstate New York. That's just how we sound. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, where are you from? Everyone asks me where I'm from, and I'm like, I've taken an S, and I'm like, well, where do you think I'm from? And they'll say, like, are you, are you Scottish? Are you Irish? And one of the great things about my job is, like, I work with a lot of people from Scotland and Ireland. I don't know if you've heard those accents, but that's not that's not me. So <laughs> like not, there is I do get it. that a lot though. I feel like when you fully take the I mean training wheels is the wrong word, but I just have this image of ropes on you or like weights on you and I feel like when you've shed so many of them, but when you fully shed them, you're just going to be unstoppable because the way you're looking at this and it's from such a, an emotionally intuitive place and you're being smart about it. I, I feel like you're going to be able to like really dive at things even more. And I think you're going to surprise yourself when you do. Thank you. And it is just a matter of knowing like being cognizant of, okay, it is still the work in progress. I haven't shed all of it. Yeah. But no one ever does. And I think to think that you're going to be fixed or to think that you're going to be in a place where it's all clear, you know, is unrealistic. I remember when I had my first kid, I was coming home from the hospital like a crazy person. And I had this, I had a notebook and a piece of paper. And like people who know me are going to be like, oh my God, you're insane. But I was like checking off. I was like, I just have to, I have to finish the thank you notes for the gifts. I have to set up this thing for the crib. And I have to just send out an email to everybody saying she was born. I have to send out the announcement. As soon as I do that, I can relax. Ah. And I'm taking home a newborn baby. How ridiculous is that? that and then I will relax. You're never relaxing again, Robin, ever. But I think it, that like made me think from a bigger picture place of maybe embracing this idea that it's okay that it's not fixed. But just like, what can I work on next? Mm. What can I step into next? Yeah. I, well, and like you say, it's again, one of those things that's on the forefront of my mind is realizing like, I don't have kids. I'm not married. I don't have these responsibilities of someone else depending on me. I think in Maine is kind of where it started of realizing like, oh no, my life is, my own responsibility is myself right now. So mm-hmm. that's been so liberating too. And like, you, Not to diminish what I'm going through in the sense of like, my anxieties and my struggles are real. But like, if I get fired tomorrow, I don't have a kid who now doesn't have insurance. Right. Like, and part of counting my blessings, that plays into that a lot. Yeah, amazing. Producer Steph, what was your question for David? Today or these days, what brings you joy or gets you up in the morning? (sighs) Hmm. The fact that I 
can tell someone that I'm living the dream, but I'm actually doing it. So to be present in the pursuit of what I want in life and know that I'm here as long as I can keep moving forward. I'm still learning what's what's out here, what's what's happening. It's such an exciting time. There's no... I haven't reached any uh, monotony out here whatsoever. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this. You know, everyone gets stuck and everybody has something they want that they are afraid to go for and ends up, I mean, and you quite literally ended up back at home, but we all have like virtual or, you know, like the idea of home where we get stuck. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm impressed that you were like, I'm going to fight through this. And I, I just, I can't wait to see where you land. Hopefully it's in a giant blockbuster movie playing someone Scottish or Irish with an upstate New York accent. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you. And one of the things I learned in therapy is like, nah, we're all, we're all dealing with shit. My story is my own story, but there's also like so many parallels, like in this interconnectedness that mm -hmm. it's nice to kind of put it out there. And it takes away some of the fear, I guess, bringing it to reality and bringing it out of your head and putting words to it makes it a lot less... Uh, daunting i feel like it always does i mean anybody who's had a crappy childhood knows that the night is always the darkest part and in the morning when you wake up and the sun comes up you can you can fight another day but sometimes at night it's dark because it's like all the thoughts in your head about like what your childhood is like or what your parents are like or what 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 you're up against they, they can feel overwhelming and you just you just gotta wait for the sun to come up come, it always comes up the next day until we wreck the planet with climate change, it always comes up the next day. Oh, God. <laughs> to get dark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Till then, yeah. we're good. Till the zombies come, we're good. Amen to that. And by the way, by the way, by the way, and by the way, a hot tip. All right, here we go. Appreciate your successes. Yes? All right, let's think about David. He made a plan. He drove his butt. 3,000 miles to the other side of the country, but he was like starting on his dreams. And what I say is once you've done it, you can do it again. Make a list of all of your successes or just whatever you need to hear. Like my daughter has one posted on her mirror in her bedroom that says, you look pretty today. And I don't even know why she did that, but I love it so much that she did that. And she posted it where she could see it. You should post it where you can see it. Read it when you feel low. And then follow those same steps when you get stuck again. Now, full disclosure, it's not going to always be your solution, but it's a good place to start. Okay, now is the time where we're going to get a little advice from someone who actually has some credentials, our expert of the day, Dolores. She's a retired social worker, and she has been working with youth at risk for literally more years than I can count. And she has got some words of wisdom for anyone who is feeling stuck. Take it away, Dolores. The thing about procrastination is that it's really nothing. Procrastination is doing nothing. <laughs> if you are procrastinating, you're not taking a step. You're not moving forward. I sometimes have waited so long for the right step. And in the meantime, there was all of these other steps I could have taken if I was just willing to play. If I'm playing, I could do this. And if it's wrong, guess what? I just go come back and figure something else out. Probably what's really most important is to make it into little steps. 
you know, so much of the time we we look at the the far picture that scares us, and sometimes we need the big picture. We need the dream. You know, without a dream, we we can't even see where to go. But so much of our time and our energy is usually spent on the things that didn't work, on the failures. And that's like part of our training. We, we were trained to win or lose. You know, like the whole concept of, of failure is like not real. When babies are learning how to walk, do they fall down and we say failure, you little failure? No, it's like, let's begin to have life be about learning. And I got to say this to myself all the time. It's okay that you fuck that up again, but just get up. And that next step is uh, so important, and it's important that we take it with ease or with joy. It's like, oh, okay, okay, I really messed that one up. Let me just keep moving. But you say the leap, let's do little steps. What can you look at and see and do without fear, like grabbing your butt? It holds you back. You know, it's like, I can't do it. And sometimes that first step is a, is a doozy, you know, but like, let it be all right, that it doesn't have to be perfect, that it, that, you know, if it doesn't work, what am I going to do next? Let's just get excited about being engaged in the living instead of like just committed to the winning. When Dolores speaks, I am telling you, I just listen because her advice is beyond valuable. I am still processing. Thank you, Dolores. All right, it's time to say goodbye, folks. So for more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms. And I have to say thanks to David for coming on our podcast and sharing his story with us. And a special thank you to Dolores for bringing real amazing advice that I think is going to really resonate for a lot of people. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole Edit Audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it. Hey, y'all, I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editaud.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear.